so I was just saying, I like, um, just very thankful that you join us in our podcast. I think in our podcast, what we talk about is the esports space in Southeast Asia region. And I saw your, um, sorry, LinkedIn. I thought it was quite interesting. So just uh, thought of uh, having you as our guest. So welcome, Arif. Um, I think what would be good for our audience would be um, just going through the sort of like things that you have uh, uh, done and as well as, you know, what are you involved in? So perhaps if you can give a background by yourself about how you got into gaming um, and and your career so far in like this esports landscape. Um, yep. Uh, so basically, just to start it off is, hi everyone, um, uh, my name is Arif, currently now known as um, Lim Fei from Team, uh, the country manager for Team Secret. So um, I actually started off with um, being a normal employee in Asia. So been working there for the past five years from 2015 to 2020 um, um, in aviation, of course, uh, under engineering. So it's a totally different field from where I'm working currently now. Um, but I gained attraction um, into esports because I used to play uh, Dota 1 or World of Warcraft uh, together with um, CS 1.6 back in high school. Um, so when time when time catched up to me as well that um, I'm getting older and etc. But I still do play games. Um, I explored the world of esports uh, when I was in Air Asia. Um, when um, there were a few on-ground events going on um, somewhere around in KL and Selangor. So we actually went there and see. And in the end, we officially, um, actually, um, Alan Pang, if um, anyone knows as well, actually was the one of the first few founders of the um, Asia All-Stars Esports Club. So I started off as just a normal Dota 2 player, a staff uh, playing competitively in the, um, in, internally as, as a club, um, but then I took on the role as um, a, uh, what do you call this? Uh, a um, club president for Malaysia for Asia All-Stars Esports Club. So that was back in 2017 and um, I was actually, uh, was released from Air Asia due to the pandemic. So um, it was a very harsh moment at that time as well because I've been working there for five years and um, opportunity arised as well uh, because during my time in Asia as well, I actually founded a an IP called uh, the Corporate League, or basically known known first firstly known as the Corporates, uh, but then we renamed it to the Corporate League, where I I myself work with a few people from um, KPMG, PwC, Petronas, Shell, and Sandra to actually form the IP together. Um, then after that. Uh, my IP, uh, basically because majority of us can't really actually do it full-time because um, all of us are working adults. So when I was actually released in Asia, I was able to actually focus to it full-time, 100%. Um, at the same time, um, TGC, or known as the gaming company, um, currently now under um, the family called Esports Business Network, um, they took me in as well together with my IP and we started growing it and having multiple seasons for uh, season two and season three. Uh, but um, during my my years in esports business network as well, so I learned more a lot a lot more about esports. And currently, to where I am now, um, I'm currently the country manager for Team Secret for PUBG Mobile. 
Yeah, do, let's uh, go back into your time in Asia and yep. as well. You, so, you, so you're a trained engineer uh, background, is that, is that correct? Yes, yes, correct. Right, and then and then you and I mean, fortunately, I suppose Alan Pang was there to like start the whole esports thing rolling. How was yep. it? How how did it begin? Or like, were you there in its inception? How did it like come to Tony, um, um, Dan Sri Tony's, uh, you know, mind that esports is the thing that they should set up in Asia? Yep. Um. So we actually started off with um all just internal staffs as well, um because in every corporate company there is always um clubs we can call it clubs um that has um you know um internal budget where it's more towards recreational activities such as badminton, football, and etc. But there was no such thing as a category for esports because, again, it, we are considered like a, minor, a minority in the corporate world itself. So we actually started off with there, um, like around 10 to 20 people actually playing around with each other, um, like during weekends or because um, the beauty of it, right, um, when you're working in corporate, especially in aviation industry, there are so many people from different departments which has totally different working time as well. Some of them are pilots, some of them are cabin crews, uh, myself from engineering, um, office workers, um, RAM fellas, the, the ones that actually carry your bag. So it's like multicultural and multi-diverse as well that um, all of us enjoy one thing, which is gaming. Like, so for example, we will find time um, during like the weekends or weekdays to actually just play Dota together. So we started off from there, from such a very small bunch of group and it started expanding that people started to know that, oh, there's such thing as a club. So it expanded, expanded, expanded up to a point that we actually had our own internal tournament. Uh, but we only focused on Malaysia for that time because we were still trying out um, the, the club progression. So the, the idea was to actually expand it until uh, we reach all of Air Asia's branches, which is in Thailand, in Philippines, Japan, and etc. Uh, but of course, uh, my work was more towards in Malaysia side where we, we just help more uh, internal tournaments in Malaysia. Um, so that was more towards my personal growth. Um, but in Asia's personal growth itself, um, um, that is where when we grew internally, we started having our own personal things like our own gaming room. We actually built a specific gaming room sponsored by Alienware, Razer, um, and um, Alienware, Razer, and Secret Lab. So we had, yeah. So we had a full gaming gaming room um, set up in Red Q, which is um, in Sepang. Mm -hmm. um, I've I've already left for three years, so I'm not sure how's the condition now. Uh, but I hope everything is well there. Uh, but one of uh, it is actually one of the inspiration that um, Ellen has as well to actually start out with um, the sponsoring of a MLBB team, which is Asia Cyan, If uh, both of you have heard it before. Yeah. Yep. So it, it grew from there. And currently now, Alan itself, after he was from Asia, he was in EVOS as the um, the PR head as well. And currently now he's in Galaxy Racer in Dubai. So yeah, both of us went different ways and we are currently both in professional teams, just different locations. I'm still in Malaysia and he's in Dubai now. Well, well, I don't say different ways, right? I mean, same direction, just different location only. Right? <laughs> correct, correct. I mean, so, we're, we're still considered competitors, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, then, I, I, actually, I was just about to ask, like, whether or not, like, there are there called webs now at, like, the, <laughs> that, 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 uh, that, that gaming, gaming center that you your did at Asia? Because, like, nobody's uh, in the office uh, nowadays, is it? Or am I... 
right or wrong to assume that. I think um, I think especially in the pandemic, right? Then it's like like it's completely empty. Yep, correct. And um, just additional info as well. Uh, majority of the manpower in Red Key was actually transferred to KL Central. Um, I think you've both of you have heard already as well. Um, uh, like the forming of Asia Digital now is currently Capital A. So <laughs> they went through a lot of rebranding processes, uh, moving offices and centra. Uh, but majority of the um, aviation portion is still back in Red Queue, and um, currently now the airline industry is recovering as well. So I'm I'm hoping that all my hard work into the gaming gaming room is is being used for a good function instead of like just like rotting there i mean yeah, the gaming I mean, room itself is like a you know you have your own uh, you know gaming house for itself you know asia at one point had their own gaming house and correct very i like how you you know you put in the time and effort just to have that in a corporate setting and, and because it's still so people many people don't recognize it many people don't appreciate it as much to have you know, to be able to give it, to be given that opportunity and make the most out of it, you know, to form uh, yep. something like that. And now to go on with what you have done, you know, as country manager for Team Secret, that is not, not, that's definitely, you know, on the right path going on that, in that trajectory. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I was just about to like ask, right, uh, before, before we head to that esports route, right, I was like just wondering, like, how do you manage like to juggle your time? Like, because I assume that doing this esports thing in Asia is something like uh, um, extracurricular activities. Am I correct to assume that it's not like part of your KPI, is it? Um, yes, it's not actually part of my KPI. It's uh, basically 100% passion um, towards esports for myself. Um, but the beauty of engineering, sorry, the beauty of aviation itself is um, it's flexible time work. So um, we all have our own different schedules. So I actually uh, previously in Asia, I was basically working um, for four days, uh, which is a, a, a 12 hour shift, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. or 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Um, but after those four hellish days, uh, I have four days off. So, yeah, I took my time to actually just like um, start building up and etc. Uh, but again, it's it's hard to juggle because of uh, the the different sleeping pattern that I have compared to like the general audience, uh, which if you have been to on-ground events, it's like 11 a.m. to 5, 6 p.m. So that is usually my sleeping time because I'll be working late night, so I need my rest. So I do juggle a lot, but because of passion um, towards esports, I do make a few sacrifices here and there. Uh, but yeah, it was all worth it. <laughs> Dude, speaking of which, um, speaking of like juggling time and like um managing your your time during your um during your days in Asia, um, I would imagine that or, or correct me if I'm wrong. Now that you are country manager for Team Secret, is it like uh so similar sort of, similar sort of schedule? Because um Team Secret is based in Europe, right? And yep, do you right. also um speak to them? Do you do you have meetings with them? Because like, you mentioned to me like your meeting at like 11 p.m. or something. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, so basically, Team Secret itself, um, we are a global um, esports organization as well. So we have multiple teams, um, two teams in Europe and US, which is the um, Rainbow Six and Dota 2. Um, then majority of it is actually in Southeast Asia, um, War Rift and Valorant in Philippines, uh, League of Legends in Vietnam and PUBG Mobile currently now in Malaysia. So um, again, with the workforce 
and um, a lot of stuff in different time zones and etc. So we are, we actually agreed to a certain timing to actually meet up. So it's like late night for Southeast Asia, but early mornings for um, Europe and US side. So it's actually still fair. So like, yeah, um, there's a lot of meetings going around 11 p.m., 12 a.m. and etc. Um, but it's actually um, slightly easier compared to last time because my body clock is actually used to it now and I don't have to actually have additional work in, on top of esports now it's like 100% esports so it's like my full-time work I, I'm sitting at home now currently now at home as well with two monitors so it's like working 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 oh I, I have a meeting with Joseph okay let's head on over there <laughs> yeah. coming coming back to team secret I mean it's 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 one of the few if I may use the word phrase you know one yep. of the OG and legendary organizations in esports team secret you know I'm sure, if I'm not mistaken, it had ups and downs, but, you know, Dota brought it back. Uh, one of the more recent news that kind of shook a bit was when, you know, the the, the acquisition of Team Secret back into League of Legends in, in Vietnam. Uh, yep. Big, big, big news there as well. And, and that comes also to where we have been exploring this topic on and off as well with a lot of people. And having you in, especially with Team Secret and, you know, the, the different games that you guys are, you know, you, you come to the, 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 the question, you know, mobile gaming in Southeast Asia... And, 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 you know, maybe maybe you can just share with us because, like you said, you know, we have a PUBG Mobile team based in Malaysia mm-hmm. uh, and then you have a Wild Drift team based out of Philippines, Philippines. right? Philippines. Yep. So, uh, you know, maybe you could share with us your thoughts and um, and how, you know, in America or in, in the other countries that we don't have as much of those kind of things, or at least it's not so much of an emphasis pretty much anywhere beyond Southeast Asia. Um, so I agree up to a certain point that, um, yes, in Southeast Asia, we are very mobile focused. Um, again, it may be due to um, the nature or um, what do you call this? The the um, the level of our country is in. So like comparing to like US and Europe where their finances side is actually more flourishable, their economies, their currencies is stronger than ours. So for them, owning a PC is actually not that difficult. Um, but when it com- when comparing to Southeast Asia, that majority of the country um, can't actually really afford a full a full PC because now with one graphic card, thirty eighty, it can cost you more than a liver, um, like twenty ten to twenty thousand already. You actually have to invest in just for a simple graphic card um, to play the best gaming graphics to get the best gaming graphics that you can actually achieve for the monitors and etc but compared to southeast asia where we focus on mobile it's very simple because now everyone has a smart device a smartphone where minimum graphics also can actually play pubg mobile can play mobile legends war Rift, and etc so um it's not to say that um, um in europe and us side they don't really focus they they don't find because they don't find it um, why they actually still need to go through mobile when they are very PC dominant compared to us where we are majority uh, mobile dominant compared to PC dominant. Uh, but again, in Southeast Asia countries as well, there are still a few countries that really focus on um, like PC development such as South Korea where we can still see that they still dominate the League of Legends uh, market. Um, at the same time as well, um, StarCraft, a game that... Um, not really many players play, uh, but it's still dominant there uh, because they, they, the, the, the government there supports differently compared to like other governments where this is what I know personally because I used to travel a lot um, to, to South Korea, to Japan. 
Um, and I actually have a few friends there as well. Even though they are not from esports, they are just generally normal friends. But um, they do give you a few input of what is actually happening in the country. So like South Korea, the benefit of every um, citizen that, that is living in South Korea, your ID is able to open up any game title that is available in the market. You don't actually have to purchase the game. It's given to you for free. So like StarCraft, uh, PUBG PC, that is the reason why PUBG PC is so popular in South Korea because you don't have to pay for the game. It's given to you for free. So for them, it's just like, if you have the passion for it, just keep training. That's why they don't look as much towards mobile compared to PC because PC is already given to them. Cyber Cafe for them is accessible, similar to Malaysia. It's everywhere. So for them, it's not, there's nothing wrong, but due to uh, the pandemic and all, everything is slowing down. That's why we noticed that there is a lot of um, um, demographics that show uh, mobile gamers are increasing. Why? Because they cannot access PC anymore. It's being locked down. So everyone has a gaming phone at home or a normal smartphone at home. They can just play like Mobile Legends, like how we do um, like during work. Okay, so example, if you're working from nine to five, you have like a short break. Hey, let's play MLBB together. Let's play PUBG Mobile together. So just imagine that you're staying at home 24-7 and you have nothing else to do. So we're expecting like mobile gamers to actually increase as well, like from all ages. Well, I feel like living in the wrong country right now, actually. <laughs> Now that you mentioned that. <laughs> so yeah. maybe, maybe a petition on the way, you know, just to say, well, free games! <laughs> Unlikely, no, but <laughs> one can hope, I guess. Um, yeah. so, so, so is that Team Secret's strategy here? In the sense that I see that you're quite active in the Southeast Asian region, right? Uh, but especially in mobile gaming. Is that is that the Team Secret's objective to try to, um, um, I, su- I suppose, attract some some fan based here in Southeast Asia through mobile gaming, and is that is that your role here? Um, actually no. Um, because basically, um, the overall structure for Team Secret itself is basically basically expansion towards the right game titles. Um, game titles that are in that are globally, um, present. So I think if um you watch a few uh, at my my CEO John Yao actually did an interview um two weeks back or three weeks back with um Yahoo and asking um um John what is the reason why we actually never entered Mobile Legends yet. So um our answer is very clear as well that we we have not seen uh, Mobile Legends reach up to a global level yet because um again it's very Southeast Asian dominant like uh, what I've mentioned before similar to MLBB and PUBG Mobile. Um, both both game titles are actually very Southeast Asia dominant compared to like the rest of the world. But comparing to MLBB, PUBG Mobile is in a faster growing pace that uh, we notice that there is an East League and a West League where West League is being played by a lot of other US and Europe countries as well. So um, it's not to say that um, Team Secret is splitting it according to Southeast Asia and um, Europe and US. Uh, we are still exploring throughout the whole world to see, um, you know, gamers everywhere around the world um, where if we can flourish there as well to actually grow a, a, a dominant base there. So like for PUBG Mobile is Malaysia, Warif, uh, Valorant is in Philippines, uh, Vietnam is League of Legends and etc. So it, it actually doesn't matter on country. We're just looking at the, the proper, the full structure of the whole globe on um, where uh, the majority of the players are because that's where the fan base is and where there's a bigger fan base, there are always hidden players there as well. 
Wow, sound like a true president's speech right there, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good stuff, good stuff. So so now you're focused on PUBG Mobile, right? Uh, yep, notice correct. that you are like the team manager right now? Uh, yes, is that correct? correct, correct. Right, and, and there are tournaments coming up, is, is there? Yes, correct. Which is BMPL, mm. where I'll be seeing one of your teams as well there. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it true? Because I don't really follow PUBG Mobile's uh, scene. Uh. Is it? My, my boss keeps saying it's like the El Clasico. Uh. Is, is, that, is that accurate? Uh? Um, it's like last time it's like the Yudu Gang and the uh, Team Secret, right? Like some El Clasico or something. Like yes, yes. The rivalry, the players and etc. Um, because to be honest, uh, both of the teams were from season one itself. So yeah, I mean, you can still consider it as, as El Clasico, but, um, due to time as well. And there are actually a lot of changes for season five. Um, currently this upcoming season is season five. Um, just to let you know, um, there are a lot of changes. A lot of, um, professional players previously have started to actually resign as well because they feel like, um, they've already hit their prime and, after this is basically no more for them. But again, I do hope that they still come back as well because um, legends are legends for a reason, that they are good at the game. They were they were dominant during their own period of time. Uh, but again, now is the time to actually just give um, the chance to actually for new fresh bloods to come in to actually test the game as well to make sure that the ecosystem is healthy and etc. Great stuff. So, so you you just mentioned about this PUBG. I just want to dive in a little mm. bit here. So I know you guys are like champions in Malaysia and all, right? Which uh, a bit envious, but okay. I mean, you you guys are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys keep you guys keep beating us, man. So, so we managed quali- managed to qualify to that um global championship, right? Yep. Uh, which was held recently, right? I think last month, yep. right? It was held. Yep. Correct. Um, right. end of January. Correct. Mm, end of January. So, in that case, right? Um, I think I think we've mentioned earlier that you know, in at least in the mobile scene, it's very saturated in Southeast Asia. But but what I'm seeing here in the global championship, the teams that have been dominating are like what China, um, some even in um European countries they they did well as well. Navi, right? Navi. Yeah. And Navi. Uh, and some Chinese teams as well. So like in the it just just in your in your view and perspective, right? Even though that we are very dominant here, it, in the sense that mobile gaming is quite uh quite quite uh, popular here in 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 Malaysia in Southeast Asia, mm, when you compare with like the global competitive scene, uh, are we at that level where we can compete with the other regions? Um, in my opinion, yes, we are, especially in Malaysia side, because um, uh, I think that. Malaysia has proven wrong to a majority of the Southeast Asia um, teams out there as well, especially um, towards our neighboring uh, partners, which is Indonesia, that they were not able to qualify, that Malaysia is a threat towards the the PUBG mobile scene um, globally as well. Uh, But again, the reason why um, both uh, Team Secret and Four Rivals did not do actually that well um, during the grand finals itself, um, there's a lot of uh, problems coming 
in and out as well that uh, one of it is it's no longer an offline event it's an online event so to say that to use that as an excuse of course um, we are not professional enough we will commit to, uh, we'll commit to everything and we will mention that it is our mistake it is the player's mistake um, but it's something of a learning process where because uh, it's there some of them some of the teams that actually appeared such as navi um, nova is slightly different because they've been winning for the past two years previous years they won they won as well this year they won as well so as a champion of the whole tournament i expected nonetheless but new teams from um, the west region uh, together with um, the east region um, such as stalwart esports um, nigma galaxy a new a new champion that appeared uh, sorry not champion a new team that appeared um, so it's 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 very hard to actually decide or to to put a fact that uh, we lost or Malaysia lost uh, just because that we are not strong enough. We are strong enough. It's just that we we do not know how to counter a few of um, the things that they do, such as rotation bases, how they shoot. So again, um, it's up to the team's perspective on how do we improve uh, further in the future. We do we need more training? Do we need to bring additional manpower or coach uh, from China? Uh, because I think everyone knows as well that China the additional mile especially regarding training and central that they they do it as really a professional job they really focus straight ahead and the only thing that they want is to win and they they they, they actually proved it very well because uh, during the pmgc east league stage before we actually went to the finals um they actually did very very bad after the second week and third week so they were very very close to being eliminated but they proved us wrong during the PMGC Grand Finals itself, where they dominated since the first day up till the last day, without fail. <laughs> well, I think I think it's fair. Actually, I think it's a fair reason to say that uh, if because it's an online event that affected your performances, because I'm sure there's like lag time, right? Even right. Um, amongst all the teams that's playing, all from different regions, right? So I think that's yeah. I think that's a fair reason, lah. Um, before I move on, is there anything you want to to ask, Wejen? Um, no, 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 not on this point. I think that's, we can move on from this. Right. Okay. So I think we just covered your sort of like career. I think we just missed out a bit of. Uh, we just skipped past the gaming company. Maybe just want to touch a bit mm-hmm. on that, lah. Yep. Um, notice that I think I messaged you, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I messaged you there. I realized, hey, it's the same person. <laughs> yes, from corporate um, league. <laughs> yeah. From correct. the owner of TCL, then after that to the 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 one that is running the tournament, then now is Team Secret. <laughs> Yeah, so no, so so um in your in the corporates, right? The you call it the corporate league, right? Yeah. So corporate even league. I've heard of that because like I have friends from like KPMG, right? They participate in those tournaments as well. Like yep. um in Dota, right? Some of them some uh and only what what games they all play? I know Dota I know Dota is one. Uh do you remember? Um it was Dota two, PUBG Mobile, um MLBB and um CSGO. Right, so there's a lot of games right there, yeah. and yeah, you get you get um working adults competing in those right, which I think is a very quite a quite uh quite good line in the sense that people do um at least do things outside work right, and also in the gaming company, I noticed you did the um UEL program right, it's a university yep. e league right, yep. so right. um perhaps perhaps you can share with us like the sort of like um, what's your role there and like 
how do you manage to bring this up and and how do you manage to even conceptualize this idea where where hey i think university students are like um are in need of like this sort of program mm -hmm. yep um so basically i'll just start with my role first in tgc so um when i entered tgc or the gaming company i was actually project manager um specifically for the corporate league just one ip um, to focus more on campaign and um, business development as well. So, um, but in time as well, that we um, we we noticed that um, just handling one IP, uh, my boss basically Adrian Gafor thinks that um, I'm slacking at work, so I'm just handling one IP. So, might as well just give extra work. So, um, that's where I actually changed department. Um, imagine someone from engineering doing business development. It's something that I've never done before. Uh, so yeah, I was in business development after being a project manager, um, getting a few projects such as um, um, one of it is UEL, um, a few more with um, the government as well, such as with MESF um, and of course uh, with Mountain Dew and etc. So um, a few projects here and there. Then um, in back in 2021, uh, which is around May, um, both departments, which is uh, business development and campaign merge into uh, a project project team. So I'm actually back to where I started off, but instead of being a project manager, I became a project executive. But uh, my goal is to heavily, or my duty is to actually heavily focus on business development to bring business in into um, the gaming company. So, um, We'll start off with corporate league. So corporate league, the idea itself is um, how we start off corporate league is um, there's always a missing piece when you notice um, um, people talking about esports. Um, this is similar to UEL as well because um, TGC is actually not the first to actually start off a um, university league. There were a few that have already created before. Um, example is EGG that created Ace. Oh, sorry. Um, EGG that created Ace, then of course there is Media Prima that created um, Cake, um, KEK, um, Kejohanan Esports um, Campus. Yep, so um, I mean we were considered the third or the fourth uh, for UEL, but we, actually, we were actually the first for Corporate League. Um, sorry, actually second for Corporate League because uh, we came off from an event which is called um, After Five Gaming League, um, which was done by Pantheon. Yeah, um, so how basically Corporate League started off as well is because um, we, um, myself and a few more other companies actually participated in a, an IP called After Five Gaming League where um, it was similar to a Corporate League, it was similar to Corporate League, but there were a lot of mistakes going on in Corporate League as well that there was no proper um, funnel or proper checks of whether to make sure that that person itself is working in corporate companies or is he just like um, what in Malaysia like to call it jokey, like basically piloting accounts, mentioning that, oh, um, I'm actually a corporate, but um, there's no company registered to him. It's like just basically getting a, a semi-pro or professional player just to take your spot and play and just mention that yourself, that you yourself are from corporate. So majority of us um, that were that were there, which is myself, um, Petronas, um, PwC, um, and a few more as well, KPMG as well, that we hated that kind of concept and we started off with Corporate League with a proper structure of how we actually do it. 
um, basically we only had like around 2,000 ringgit of budget to actually run the whole tournament. So we decided to do it offline, uh, sorry, online. Uh, and we started looking for sponsors as well. And um, throughout the whole team, um, since I am the only one that is actually experienced in esports and know a few contacts here and there to actually help out uh, with the setup. So I just went out to Battle Arena, to Pantheon as well, to ask uh, for the venue for free, it was just for like, exposure, etc. But of course, with such limited budget and with such an IP that is so new, um, no one is going to like invest in you, right? So this is where I would like to thank TGC as well um, because he actually put it, uh, Adrian Gutfor actually put it a lot of trust in me as well um, to actually run the first event together. Um, so we held our first corporate league event season one um, at during Comic Fiesta 2019. So um, even though that our event is just one of the booths in Comic Fiesta, but overall that uh, the amount of attendees that came for Comic Festa as well is around 64,000 people that came over. Of course, not, ju not just for the booth, but because our booth is at the entrance there as well. So we got the most exposure. It's required for them to enter from there. So uh, I'm very thankful for that as well. Uh, but the idea and conceptualization of corporate is because that um, we as the older generation, uh, I mean, we're not really that old, but we are going there as well. Um, those that actually play Dota, Dota 1, um, CS 1.6, uh, World of Warcraft, um, basic games that, you know, we play in Cyber Cafe or we even play in, uh, what do you call this, billet computer when you're in high school, try to like play around here and there, right? So um, those generation, right, like basically us, um, we did not get to experience esports because esports came right after all these new games launched, Dota 2, um, CSGO, um, then after that is Mobile Legends, PUBG Mobile. But the, of course, the OG games are like Dota 2 and CSGO, where we still were unable to compete professionally because we are already considered working adults by then. So um, it's not fair, of course, that, uh, you know, our, we we skip that generation of esports because uh, we are too busy with work. So what I created uh, together with uh, my fellow colleagues previously is an IP called Corporate League, where um, we gave an option uh, or basically a tournament structure which suits corporate uh, corporate people, where we understand that corporate people work from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But what about at night? What about weekends? So we took that opportunity to actually create the tournament structure um, according to what corporate feels uh, very comfortable with. We gave a very flexible schedule like, okay, so this is the this is the tournament that you're supposed to play. So let's just say Joseph has to go against Regen. Um, but I'll give you any time you want. You can choose from Monday to Friday. The timing is up to you, but let me know the results so we can still update the schedules and following according to like the whole timeline. Of course, it takes a longer period, but it's, it's worth it to actually see like corporate people competing against each other because you rarely see big companies playing with each other, especially um, I would like to say thanks as well to Takman. Takman is actually the most sporting CEO that I've ever met because he is the only CEO that played PUBG Mobile for Corporate League the only CEO that played for Corporate League. So uh, we are actually very impressed that we saw him uh, personally playing during the games. Wow. Very I was just uh, Googling Takman is from, oh, you do, is you it? You do. Yep, yep, you do eSports, yes. So um, a subsidiary under Cellcom. So basically under Cellcom. 
So he's a very sporting, um, a, bo- a sporting boss as well. Uh, because I've heard from uh, my friends as well working there. He's a very nice boss. He's very down to earth, and I actually never expected him to actually compete in corporate league itself. It's like usually your CEO was just like, okay, good luck, good luck, okay, have fun. This is like he himself is playing there. It's like okay. Wow, I think uh, you know, uh, it's a very, very definitely a very interesting concept, and I think. You, you kind of hit the note there exactly with, you know, a lot of people, you know, still have that little bit of dream, still have that little bit of aspirations, but not given that, you know, opportunity. opportunity. To, and, yeah, and, and this reminds me a lot about, um, so when I was studying in, in, in the UK, that there was this, they won't call it a professional team, but they called it like a more semi-professional, but also not really professional team for sports, like traditional sports. So um, I used to know of people who played uh, frisbee in, in Belfast uh, and, and, so they, they, they make you know, some of the university students would join, so I joined them for their training sessions. Uh, and then uh, the work, people who are working there would also join. And then they would do, they'd go for training, and they would also take compete in actual competition. Uh, I, uh, I, I know of a similar one when I was in Cardiff. Uh, they, they call themselves Storms. So uh, they call themselves Storms, but they are just kind of a Swansea Cardiff team where you know it's a mix of different university students or some who have graduated started work. And they would just come together for training sessions and, and and then they still go and take that opportunity to compete in tournaments because there's an avenue for them to do so. And this this really resonates with me. What, what you have created really resonates with that concept of uh, an actual after-work hours game. And, yeah. and, you know, I can see it being like, you know, a few more years down the road, I can see it really being like the next, uh, I mean, a next social worker thing, you know, instead of after-work dinner, it's uh, after-work, hey, tournament time, you know, let's go over... Uh, you know, this weekend is this tournament instead of spending, you know, instead of spending like uh, league tournaments where you have to spend a whole few months preparing it, you just say, hey, weekend overnight, here's the place, here's the tournament location, just uh, head on over. Then, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people, oh yeah, here's this, here's that, you can do shopping, you, do, you know, let's have a weekend, bring your team, bring your group of cra- uh, group of friends, you know. So it's really reminiscent of that and I think uh, it definitely hits the point. Uh, but here's, here's kind of one question I have for you in terms of mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it as well when you talk, uh, when you talk about verifying and identifying players uh, as well as, you know, as much as we say we have flexible hours, but you also have uh, unflexible work that sometimes uh, uh, come up with your table. So maybe you can share with us, like, uh, while you were at uh, TCG, uh, sorry, T- uh, sorry TCL, sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, TCL. what was some of the bigger issues that you faced that, you know, could be revisited or you know could be done better um yeah so one of it is uh, actually the uh, player player database so um again like what you mentioned that not every department or not every company in malaysia um follows the standard nine to five kind of uh, work-life balance like nine to five might be your work but then of, of course there's like overtime and etc so those are the kind of things that um that we faced as a problem, as a huge problem, because of um, because not everyone is is according it can follow according to the timeline that you gave. So, for example, if I'm I'm required to match up team A and team B, which is example from Shell and Petronas, which have two different company style, two two different um, working style as well, and two different working working environment and etc. 
um, the timings might not be the, the same as well. So what we do is basically we will have an open discussion, um, a WhatsApp group that every leaders are inside, every captains are inside to discuss on um, the timing that they agree on. But of course, um, there is always a downside where there will be one or two players, which is um, which again, um, all uh, all the players that are in TCL are working adults at the same time. Also, they are also family men. Uh, some of them already have families, kids, and etc. So we actually face a lot of problems there as well because um, there are there is always substitution that is always required. So uh, first season we actually struggled with uh, with that a lot, but uh, during second season we give them additional leeway that um, instead of just re registering for five players, uh, we allow them up to register up to five additional subs just in case that. Um, some of them uh, won't be available and etc. And because um, one of our biggest uh, player player database is actually from Petronas, um, that was the main problem because uh, for Petronas stuff, some of them are actually required to be offshore as well. So if you're offshore, you have no PC, you have no internet line sometimes for the next three, four months. And if like the corporate league is running at that time and you have to travel there, so it's basically a free win for your opponents. I, I and we're not going to say like, oh, sorry, um, since that you cannot play and all, we have to DQ you. So what we did was we 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 had a more flexible rule, um, especially for the corporates to actually play with additional five subs. Uh, but of course, we were very strict, especially in terms of registration, because um, we do not want to make the same mistake at, as uh, what the previous event that we joined did. So we actually requested for a lot of um, personal details such as uh, your company card. Uh, if you do not, do not have a company ID, um, your business card is good enough and etc. And we will ask for your office number and etc. So that we can actually, if there is any case that there is um, someone that reports you as um, faking or piloting the account, we can straight away call your HR to actually clarify about all this. So we took the additional mile to make sure that the, this whole structure is good. Uh, but again, the only downside that um, we face the most is actually sponsors because sponsors look for one thing, which is ROI. Yep. And corporate league is not something that um, that we, that is able to give such a big ROI such as viewership, um, such as um, minor, minor things more towards like lucky, liking the, the post, sharing the post on Facebook. Um, but it's where this is where brands fail to see where um, the corporate league has one of the best group category of people because it's the group of people that has money to spend on uh, like your instead of like focusing on like likings and the ROI is all more towards um, likes and shares, it can be focused more towards like okay, signing up credit cards, debit cards, um, giving out coupons and etc., which uh, suits the demographics of corporate compared to like general audience. Actually, that was, that was a surprising point as well that you made because uh, I'm surprised that you can't get sponsors because I imagine that the, the group of people that you have, those people are the ones with disposable income, right? So I'm very yep. surprised that um, that sponsors are just looking at like the ROI in terms of the eyeballs and, and the likes on social media instead of like uh, creating brand um, brand loyalty, creating brand awareness. I think that's more important lah. So I think maybe some of these uh, brands they are probably not so um, uh, uh, not so so um, long sighted, I suppose. 
and and that was the that was the point that I was trying that I made as well when the when when the university elite came about was that these are university college students right which in the future they're going to be uh, working adults right so they're going to have disposable in, disposable income so why not like create that sort of like brand awareness at that age right then at least they remember you when they grow up and then um, when they have a bit of uh, money lah so yep. but. Anyway, I suppose this is uh, not your concern anymore, right? Because uh, <laughs> you, you've moved on from that and I'm sure a lot of lessons have been learned, about, right? Correct, correct. So, so yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been quite, it's almost reaching an hour already and really mm-hmm. thankful for your time. I'm, I'm sure that um, you're uh, quite hungry <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. maybe just one more thing that uh, yep. I would like to speak about if it's okay. Because no like, in, in this podcast, we also don't just talk about your... Um, personal life, your your growth there, but as well, just your thoughts on like the general news mm-hmm. that's going on. So the latest news I see right here is that they just announced that the Commonwealth are, are going to um, have the esports category and that would take place in August 6 or 7 in Birmingham. Yep. So just want to get your two cents, right? Uh, because this has been a debate for a long time on like whether esports should be regarded as sports, whether esports should be in the Olympics. I just want to get your two cents on like where do you stand in that in that that argument? Yep. Um. Okay. So before this, um, as someone that is not from an organization, um, uh, basically from a tournament organizer instead of being um, part of a team, um, of course the main main goal for every athlete in Malaysia is basically getting a gold, a silver, or a bronze for um for for your own representing country, so which is Malaysia. Um, so far only a few have achieved it, um, both in Paralympics and Olympics. Um, but again, there has never been a category for esports. Um, the only downside that um, I can foresee is that um, yes, because it's um, professional teams always earn from one thing, um, even though it may not be the most income, but it's still an income which is the prize pool, prize pool winning. So when it comes to like Commonwealth for Olympics, Sea Games, ASEAN Games, which is coming up this year as well. Um, it is actually not our priority, but of course, if we were given the chance to play, of course we will play. Uh, depending on the rule set that is given by um, the Sea Games Council and the ASEAN Games Council, that if it if it's suitable to our side, of course we will participate because our players only have one main goal, which is to actually get something for the country. Because for them, prize pool is actually not a matter. Uh, but again, it's something that you want to be proud of. Because not everyone in the world can actually bring back a medal, you know, to 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 back to your hometown. So, um, Sea Games and ASEAN Games, and of course the next one will be Commonwealth. Will is a common ground where um, it's a chance for uh, local athletes um, that is first time in esports uh, actually able to achieve their dream. But again, um, especially for uh, regarding Commonwealth, so um, that is has not been decided yet uh, via the IOC, which is the uh, International Olympic Council, whether if it's in the pipeline for Olympics and etc., whether Commonwealth is actually already confirmed for esports. So um, it's still, it's still, I would like to say there or not there. Some of the council agrees that esports is a sports and some of the council actually disagrees that esports is a sport. So it's like middle line. <laughs> If I may just jump in here, I think I was coming to that as well on, on what the Olympic Committee, uh, maybe in maybe in a short sentence, we don't have to take yeah. you for too long. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of 
the Olympic virtual series that was held before the Olympic Games last year, uh, where it featured, um, I think the, 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 the scope or, or the, the way that it would describe, it was games that simulate... Uh, Gaming. Games that simulate traditional sports, but not FIFA, but they had like some uh, virtual games. So maybe in yep. a short sentence, what do you think about that? And what's your input on that? Yeah, so ah. just to give some context here, it's like the Olympic virtual series, right? They, they have like um, virtual baseball, they have uh, cycling, they have rowing. So yeah. those are not like... Um, not Yours. Not, yeah, not what regarded as like tier one esports games, right? Not like the Correct. Dota, not like the PUBG. So they try to like um, get all these games that's like simulating like uh, uh, traditional sports, like, right? Into the Olympics that was held before the actual Olympics. Yep. Um, so I think that um, the whole world is actually improving as well. And due to all this like virtual and etc., it actually benefits us um, as as a whole because everyone is in lockdown. There's like nothing to do. Athletes are dying. They can't train. They can't compete. So um, this is where actually F1 started it before um, Formula One racing. Um, they even have a simulator for, for Formula One. Um, I think a few years back, Alex Young did a tournament as well for, for Formula One, uh, a virtual Formula One racing. I actually can't remember the, the name of the game title. Um, but yes, the winner of that game was actually able to go um, to an offline event to compete in a physical racing. But of course, um, virtual and reality is two different things that um, you may not be able to get the most experience. But again, we are only at the first step of evolution, like I would say, because in the future, everything might be online as well, like your basketball, your football, um, even badminton, you may be even even have like um, your online virtual training where you can just play at home and etc. like just for practice. So to uh, I would agree the idea of the uh, Olympic virtual set because um, it's more towards um, a different range of um, training that you may be able to get without leaving where you are now. Like for example, if you want to play with uh, Lee Chong Wei wants to play with Lindan. It's just as like just setting up everything and just like playing virtually. They don't actually have to fly around to from Malaysia to China and Central. So it would actually be better and it would actually be more um, consumer friendly that um, everyone can actually be at the same level because again, virtual is being provided by everyone. It's not like only the upper class or lower class can get it. It's every, it's basically free for everyone. Yeah, man. Well, that's that's touching a bit on metaverse kind of uh, yeah uh, situation already. But I mean, that, 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 that could be that could be the next you know the next thing in esports. We've seen we've seen it in you know I mean movie and conceptions. Ready Player One, even Free Guy was also kind of leading into that direction of yep. like a free GTA, but everything else in the world can kind of join in. And with yep. NFTs being the also grow with the NFT scene that is currently growing, you know things like that. Um plays a role as well, you know, in terms of uh, having that, who knows, that Lee Chong Wei racket that, that, that is virtually signed, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it will be, be a rare item. <laughs> it will be, be a rare item, item. you know. And, and to, to imagine things last time, we were thinking about CSGO, the red, the red, the, the, red, the, the rare nines were like, oh, people selling it for a few hundred bucks now. It's just like, whoa, now can go for a thousand bucks easily. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. All those treasure box. Yeah, all the, <laughs> the time and effort for the treasure box. That's like. Yep, correct, correct. All right, that's good stuff, man.